0: you're here. We're starting a a new series called Relationships Created to Relate. And uh, so real quick, just so we can see how timely this series is. uh, uh, Whoops, I gave you the last thing. No, you don't want that. Um, How many people have uh, ever been lied to? Wow. Oh, you saw the news today, huh? Okay. Uh, How many of you have ever been disappointed with somebody else? Ooh, wow, is a tough group here. How many people have uh, ever been misunderstood? <laughs> wow, those hands went up quick. Uh, here's my question. If all of that has happened universally to all of us, why even be in a relationship? Why even have a relationship? Why even take the risk of having a friend? Why even take the risk of getting married, right? Why even take the risk of having a kid? (laughs) No, seriously. Why even take? No, I'm I'm joking around. That was that was that was an easy one. Sorry about that. Here's what I want to talk about this morning: Um, the Bible and God in particular knows that relationships can be difficult. But he created us to be in relationship. He created us to be in relationship primarily with himself and with others. As a matter of fact, when you look at the creation narrative, you, it goes through all these different things that God created. And he creates the heavens and the earth. And he says, man, that's good. And then he separates them and he creates light and darkness. And he says, ah, that's That's good. And then he creates vegetation, and he says, that's good, and animals, and that's good, and fish, and that's good, and uh, birds, and that, that's good. It's all good. And then he creates man, and he says, that's... Who, who just groaned? <laughs> who just groaned? Seriously. <laughs> Ushers? Remove that person. I don't know who they are. <clears throat> okay. Then he creates humanity. How do, you, how do you like that? Okay. So he creates man, and he says, it's very good. It's very good. But in that creation narrative, one of the things that he says that's not very good is for man to be alone. Now we take that as a a marriage uh, thing and and that's that's fine. Although that's not exactly what it's supposed to be. It's not necessarily a marriage thing. It's a humanity thing. You were not created to walk through life by yourself. You were created to walk through life with two different Relationships. God and each other. Some other person, at least one. And this is how God created us, except for the fact that we're broken. And so, what we want to talk about over the coming uh, weeks is how do we get through life doing them both well? (laughs) Having a good relationship with our Heavenly Father. Where we're becoming to, we're loving and we're living like Jesus did. And then how do we firm up those relationships with those around us? I have a, a, I'll have a little challenge for us uh, this week. um, But I want to get you started on right away. My goal for this whole series and what we'll be talking about is, uh, hopefully I'll be giving you tools from God's word on how to navigate your relationships better being present, learning how to forgive, all these different things that our words actually matter and how to uh, use them wisely. We'll be talking about those things. We'll also be talking about how to relate to people who are other. And so we'll have someone coming to talk about relating with those um, who are different than us, maybe racially, culturally. We'll have uh, people talking about how to relate in different life chapters. Maybe you're single or you're married and how how do we do that? We'll have people talking about um, where, where people are uh, just in, in, in different areas of their lives. But I want you to pick two to four people. I want you to make a commitment now. This series will go between six and eight weeks. Now about what are some relationships I really want to see move forward. Maybe they're not broken. May, maybe you have a, a, a C marriage. And you say, I'd really like that to be a B. Or I'd like it to be a C plus. Or maybe it's trending C minus, And you're like, I just want to reverse the trend, okay? You know, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe there's some friendships you had before that were really life-giving to you. And they've fallen away. And maybe that's one of your people. I, I don't know who your people are, but I'll bet you I just said two to four people and one person's popped right into your mind. I want to make that relationship better. Well, what I believe is that Life is not just information. I can give you all the information from the Bible, and I plan to help you along with that this morning. But it's more about transformation, about working along with the Holy Spirit in those relationships that he has placed in your life. And maybe there are relationships you had no control over. Maybe it's your folks. Maybe they're entering into a later season of life. And you're realizing, you know what, I haven't invested the time that I should have. Or I have held on to some things far too long than I should have. What I want to do this morning is just set an introduction to what we're going to be talking about. And hopefully what I'll do is I will present to you how much Jesus talked about and valued relationships. And how much the Bible is in the context of community. It is very difficult for us in America to get this concept down because we are individualistic. We're very independent. We forge forward on our own. We we celebrate those risk takers, the ones that go out on their own before us to to take risks. We celebrate that and we should and it's great and America is great, don't get me wrong. But the Bible was written in the sense of community, sense of family, a sense of going through life with others. And it knows it can get hard. God knows that it can get hard. In your handout, I printed up some of these things called the one another's. And um, for those of you uh, watching online, uh, there they are. Anyway, uh, these are just some of the things that uh, the Bible talks about what community should look like. What is it like when, when... one another gets together. And as you can see from the list. It assumes there's going to be issues. It assumes that you're going to be lied to. It assumes that you are going to be disappointed. It assumes that you're going to be misunderstood. And I don't, I'm not going to go through all of them. But you get the idea. This is why it says serve one another in love. Is because there's probably a tendency to want to Be served and not to serve. Paul knows that. He's the one who wrote that one. Accept one another. That means the Bible already understands that we're going to be different. We're going to have different perspectives. We're going to have different life stages. We're going to have different socioeconomic um, things. We're going to have different cultures. I mean, this is why we celebrate diversity, is because. It brings a difference of perspective. A difference of approach to our Heavenly Father that we can learn from each other. Forgive grievances you may have against one another. What does that mean? There will be what? Grievances. God knows that. And so he wrote it in his word. The one another's. Let's not give up meeting together. Live in harmony with one another. Offer hospitality to one another. Be completely humble and gentle. Now with those four people or two or four people or however many you pick. Imagine if every morning you got up. Let's say it's your boss. And uh, he's difficult or she's difficult. And uh, you went through this list and you said, that's a relationship I'd like to see restored or at least get better. And so you go over this list and you pick one of these things and say, how can I do that? Because here's the great thing about the Bible. This is so wonderful. It could be the most discouraging thing in the Bible or the most encouraging thing. In the one another's, you only have to be concerned about one, not another. (laughs) You only have to be concerned about you. Nothing in here says change one another. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Manipulate one another. Triangulate with one another to get one another to do what you want one another to do. (laughs) Right? None of it says that. Control one another. Oh my goodness. Aren't you glad it doesn't say that? The only thing you need to worry about is one. You. And here's the thing I want us to see this morning. Our relationships change as we change. Our relationships change as we change. Now, we oftentimes want our relationships to change if only they would. You've probably done that before. I've done it. I did it this week. Even when I preach this stuff, like I tell you all the time, I'm usually preaching to myself. Like, wow, I'm really not good at what I'm going to be preaching on on Sunday. (laughs) Right? Like, if only they would change if only they wouldn't do that if only that i've got these three things if they would just do these if only this the bible is not concerned about any of that and we're going to see some really harsh scriptures to get our mind wrapped around that our relationships change as we change as i as the list says serve as i humble myself as i forgive as i encourage as i do those things My relationships change. Now, let me just start out for the caveat. We're going to be reading some scriptures. And in no way are these scriptures saying that you're a doormat. In no way are these scriptures saying uh, if you're in an abusive relationship, you need to stay because harder's better. And God says you just need to stick it out. In no way am I saying that. God wants us to use our brain. The Bible wants us to use our brain. So if you're in a situation where it's like, man, I just got to get out of this relationship. The relationship just got better, didn't it? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so it might be that. If you have a friendship and it's just caustic. And you just find yourself, man, this is just not working for me. It might, it might be. The great thing about the Lord is he will reveal that to you. That's up to you and the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And so we have these things of our, our relationships change when we change. And so uh, what I wanted to do was fast forward in the book of Matthew all the way to the end when Jesus is summing things up before he dies and somebody asks him a really important question. And when you begin to see how Jesus answers this, and you begin to go back and you look at the, the totality of Scripture, you realize that Scripture really is completely about relationships. Two of them. Our relationship with our Heavenly Father and our relationship with each other. As a matter of fact, the Ten Commandments, you think of the Ten Commandments, and you think they're a, a, a thing of do's and don'ts. Right? Don't, don't kill people, which is a really good one, by the way. Uh, and so you, you have these do's and don'ts. But when you, when you put it with the lens of relationships, it makes a lot more sense. Don't have any other gods before our God. Why? It's really bad for that relationship. Do not have any graven images, any idols. Why? It doesn't work really well with a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Don't lie. Why? It doesn't help any of our relationships here. Don't covet thy neighbor's stuff. Why? It's just not good for relationships. So yes, it's a list of don'ts or do's. You know, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What, what is that for? That's so that you have time to be with your heavenly father and your family and friends. That's what the Sabbath was designed for. The Sabbath was created for, for humanity, not us for the Sabbath. It's all about relationships. So somebody comes to Jesus, and with all these do's and don'ts and all these things in the Bible, all these different rules and regulations and things like that, somebody comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm really busy. I don't have time. Can you give me the Cliffs notes version of the Bible? Can you just give me like what's the greatest commandment? Like, boil it down for me. I'm I'm in a rush. Give me some, I'm getting a tattoo. I'd like to just keep it short. Can you, can you just get something down? Hopefully in Hebrew, so it looks cool. But just give me, you know, what, what, what is it? And this is what Jesus says. Out of all the things Jesus could pick, because he knew the Bible pretty well, out of all the things that he could pick, this is what he picks. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus goes right to relationship with your heavenly father which is why you were created. He goes to that. Now, this hit home for Jesus because this was his number one commandment. Bible says he didn't do anything that his heavenly father didn't tell him to do. He didn't say anything his heavenly father didn't tell him to say. And so Jesus says, "Men, this if you guys could just get this one thing." And what we're going to see as we move forward in these weeks to come, this is the key. Because people are going to fail you. People are going to lie to you. People are going to disrespect you. People are going to uh, misunderstand you. But your heavenly father will never once leave you on your own. It's the perfect relationship to have. And so Jesus says this. And he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. In other words, if you can get this down... You're, you're on your way, okay? You're on your way. But he doesn't stop there. He answered the question. He was asked one question. What's the greatest commandment? And he answered the question. But because he's Jesus, and he understands why we were created, not only for a relationship with our Heavenly Father, but a relationship with each other, he goes on, on his own. and He felt was important. He says the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in other words, we can't get so caught up in our relationship with God we neglect the relationships we have around us. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. We should be so invested in our relationship with our Heavenly Father that it affects every single relationship we have. That we literally become Jesus To those around us. Then he makes this incredible statement. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. (laughs) Oh, is that all? (laughs) Like, easy peasy. I got it. Now that I have the two commandments, I can can go on. He says, man, everything, when you read your Bible, when you read your Bible, it is not just about being holy. Oh, I want to make the right decisions. Oh, I want to do good. I want to be the best person I can be. No, no, no. All the law and the promise. Everything hangs on these two things. Loving God and loving those people around you. Even the people who are annoying. Which might be most of them in your life. I have no idea. Okay? So what we were going to do is we're going to shift back to the Beatitudes. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And it's in Matthew chapter 5. We're not going to obviously go through the whole thing. Um, But what I wanted to do was read to you part of Uh, The sermon because what's fascinating about it is it was, uh, this is not Jesus's first sermon, but it's the first one recorded and it's the longest one recorded. And Jesus does these things, there's this whole section of it. He, He first starts out with the Beatitudes, which is just blessings. And again, you've probably heard them, blessed are the poor, blessed are the merciful, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the meek, okay? And so we often tend to um, internalize these. Blessed are the poor in spirit. How can I be poor in spirit? Okay, okay. You know, blessed are the meek. How can I be meek? All of them are in the context of relationship. How can you be merciful (laughs) if there's nobody to show mercy to? How can you be poor in spirit if you're not being poor in spirit in relationship to your Heavenly Father? Blessed are the pure in heart. That has to do with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Blessed are the peacemakers. How can you be a peacemaker if there's no conflict? Well, the only time there's going to be conflict is if there's people around. Matter of fact, where two or more are gathered, there's going to be conflict. I read that. No, that wasn't it. It was something different. But anyway... (laughs) Blessed are you when people cast insults on you. What does that mean? Jesus knows people are going to cast insults on you. And so this is the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Relationship. And so he goes on. And uh, when you get to uh, chapter um, 5. Thank you. Yes, it's chapter 5. That was perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, You get to these things that they call the antitheses. And this is where Jesus takes your mind and then rocks it. <laughs> he takes what you already know and he says, that's great. And you're doing awesome. But in the context of relationship, I want to take this one step further. Okay? And so he starts out, he says, I'm not, I'm not trying to mess with the law. He starts out with this. like What I'm about to tell you right now, I'm not messing with the law. I'm here to fulfill it. I'm here to give you the reason why things were written down. And so, in verse um, 20, uh, he says, he talks about murder. You've heard it said, don't murder. Okay? And that makes sense. And you can read that in in the Ten Commandments. But I tell you that everyone who is angry with his brother commits murder in his heart. Or sister. Okay? Anyone who's angry... Uh, with his brother shall be guilty before the court and whoever shall say to his brother raka which just means worthless which is a word we got to bring back by the way I mean if we were allowed to say it dang it shall be guilty before the supreme court and whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell now when you read something like that you think Wow, I just called somebody a fool Well, this morning. Uh, like, does that mean I'm, I'm going to hell because I called? When you read these types of things, you have to understand context. And you have to understand what's going on in that day and who this was written to. Hell is literally just separation from God. So what Jesus is saying is this. If you're going to be worried about who's a fool and who's empty headed and you're upset about this and upset about that, it's going to be hell for you. Because you're, you're, you can't change them. You can only change you. The one another's is about one, you, not another. It's about you. And so if you're worried about all that, you, you will be in a state that is impossible to have connection with your heavenly father because this isn't how he designed you to be. He goes on. So we we have uh, murder, adultery. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. That still stands, by the way. Um, But I say to you, everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery for her in his heart. You say, well, wow, what's that? Is Jesus taking it to the next level? No, what Jesus is saying is this. Don't objectify people. Don't objectify people. It's not good for relationships, if you see your boss as, as, an, as a, as a uh, maybe she's just like the doorway to the rest of your career and she has no humanity. It's just like, I got to convince her to give me a raise and all this kind of stuff. You're doing the same thing. You're just objectifying the person. And God does not like that. It's not good for relationships. And men, if you, if you see women as objects, your, your, your relationships are already flawed. They're not going to be as rich as they could if you saw them as brothers and sisters in uh, in Christ. We see people differently, as valuable. That's all he's saying. He talks about vows. You've heard it said, you know, uh, don't make false vows, but fulfill your vows. Jesus says, don't make any vows at all. Just be a person of integrity. It'll go better for your relationships. It'll go better for you. And so instead of going, I promise I'll be, I promise next year I will buy you flowers for our anniversary. No, just buy the flowers. Don't promise. You might make a mistake, okay? Right? I promise I'll be at your recital. No, I'll do my best to be at your recital. You're very valuable to me, but you know how things come up. So here we are. Just, just, it's better for your relationships not to make these promises that you can, that's all Jesus is saying, so he goes on with that. And then we get to Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 39, uh, 38 and on. And here's what he says. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. So hopefully what's ha- been happening throughout this time is I've been showing you that number one, God has created us for relationship both with him and for those around us. And that the whole Bible, all of it, is written in the context of relating, relating to God and relating to each other. And that God has different standards oftentimes than we do on what's fair and how we treat one another. And that in fact God is mostly concerned about you and not about the person who's treating you. And Jesus says this in the Beatitudes, "Blessed are you when people insult you," which just doesn't sound right, but this is the context in which Jesus is trying to give us a new way to look at the relationships around us. Then he goes into this, this eye for an eye. We are experts at revenge. We are experts at knowing when we are offended. As a matter of fact, I would be so bold as to say this. America has entered into a new era, and it's the era of outrage. We, I think we're addicted to it, actually. This is just my personal opinion. I'm not a clinical psychologist or a sociologist, but we love us some outrage, if you want to use the clinical terminology. Uh, we love to click on it. We love to see it. We love the feeling of being angry. We like to get revenge. We like to repost. We like to do all this kind of stuff to, to get it. But here's the problem, and we're going to see this when we get to forgiveness. It is impossible, literally impossible, for you to exact the correct amount of rebuttal. It's impossible. We always, always, always overestimate what's been done to us and underestimate what we've done To the other person. I will give you the perfect example. If you've ever been a child or have children or are an aunt or uncle or whatever, been around children, you will have this come your way in your lifetime. The children are in the back seat, you are in the front seat, you have drawn an imaginary line down the seat. You have told the children, there is an imaginary line down the, down the seat. Do not cross the line or I will pull the car over and uh, no lollipops for everybody or however your discipline is. There'll be a timeout. Um, most of the time, I would take the timeout because uh, it was better for me. Uh, and so there's this imaginary line. And so what happens then? There's one of these. I'm gonna go to the now the line's imaginary, Right. So how do you know? You know your dad could have made the line like right down the middle of your forehead. I don't know. It's imaginary. So I can just go like this. So you put your finger over. And then the other person says, Dad said there's an imaginary line. So then they put their pinky over. The minute they touch, you are over the line. So you hit, hit the pinky. Don't. Well, now this person's offended. So it hits the hand. Now, if you have two boys, it goes right to the jaw. <laughs> like there's no middle ground, Right? <laughs> And so soon, the kids, you know, safety harnesses off. It's like in the back. You know, it's like tap out or I'm going to keep going. You know, it's the UFC in the back seat of the car. Now, how in the world did that happen over an imaginary line and like this? It's because our human nature, and the reason we laugh is because we understand it. Well, we'd never do that, but we've seen it happen. And is that you, what you did to me, I have to now escalate 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 so Jesus starts out you've heard it said eye for an eye be fair now again we don't have time to get into the historical part of this but what was happening was just that people were exacting revenge against each other and it was escalating and so they said look if something happens to you go to the courts we'll make sure that if they do something to you it'll be be fair that's all that was so it wasn't like if someone knocks out your eye you know you gouge out theirs but he says this, don't resist an evil person. Now, again, when we read evil in our culture, we think of like, like someone coming after us with a chainsaw or some horror movie or, or what have you. But this is just don't, don't go face to face and stand up to the, to, to the opposition. Don't have to be right is what Jesus is saying. In other words, if there's a person that's opposing you, don't feel like you've got to stand up and defend yourself. You don't have to do that. Now you can see already Jesus is defining human relationships much differently than we probably walked in this morning with. You don't have to stand up to those people who are coming after you. He goes on. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now again, we have to read this in context. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, um, hire an attorney. I don't know what to do. But the, the, that, the whole point of this verse is this is the ultimate sign of disrespect in that culture to be struck on the cheek. So we would read it this way If somebody disrespects you, you don't need to disrespect them back. You don't have to. Now, you say, how is that even possible? If I'm disrespected, everything in me wants to lash back out again. If I'm wronged, if I'm opposed, everything in me wants to show I'm right. If I'm misunderstood, everything in me wants to be understood. How is that possible? It's possible because of the other relationship with your Heavenly Father. Who completely understands you. Who watches after you. Who knows what you meant. Who knows what what you're going through that day. He knows all those things. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's never going to disrespect you. And so in the context of the safety of that relationship, I can enter into these other relationships knowing that my Heavenly Father has my back, that I don't need to get my back. I don't need to make it right on my own terms because I'm incapable of it. I always escalate because I always underestimate what I'm doing to others, and I overestimate what they're doing to me. So he says, if you're disrespected, just don't retaliate. He goes on, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Now, Jesus is making a ridiculous demand to these people. Uh, It's translated in the NIV, which is what I'm using, shirt, which is exactly what it was. That would be the thing that would be touching your skin, okay? So it's like your undergarment. But your, your cloak was your robe. That was what you had. As a matter of fact, in this time, if I said, look, I promise I'll be there at five, take my robe as surety, uh, the law was that you had to give it back to me by sundown because I needed it to sleep in if I were out in the cold. I, ne- I needed that thing. So you would never keep somebody's uh, jacket or robe uh, more than uh, that, that whole day. You, t- you had to get it back to them. And Jesus is saying if they take it, let them take it. It's so unfair. Here's what Jesus is saying. As you walk through life in your relationships you're going to be treated unfairly. You are. There's no, no way around it. And isn't it true that the deeper relationships you have, the more hurt you get? <laughs> That's why some of us build up walls and some of us isolate ourselves because we've already had those deep relationships and because of the woundedness, we say, I'm never doing that again. I'm never going to be in that relationship again or a relationship like it. Or I'm out of here. I'm going, I'm, I'm running. You, you should run right into the arms of your heavenly father who says, oh, I've been disrespected. I know, I, I've, been, I've been misunderstood. I've been lied to. I've been cheated on. I've been everything. Here, let's, let's work through this. So he says, if you've, been, if, you've been, if you've been treated unfairly, you got sued for your shirt, give him your coat as well. Don't be hung up on justice so much. I'll take care of it. He says, if anyone forces... Uh, you to go one mile, go with them two miles. This is um, the poor Jews at this time. They're in their country and they're occupied by the Romans. They have absolutely no power. And if you weren't in the elite of Jewish culture, the Pharisees, the religious elite or the wealthy, you had a double whammy. Your own people were lording it over you. And then they had people above them lording it over you. And so you'd be on your way to work. Traffic, there's donkeys and camels everywhere and you're trying to get to work and all this kind of stuff and you're, you're, you know, you're weaving in and out of, of traffic and you're trying to get to work as your boss said, if you, if you, you know, are late one more time, you're in big trouble. And a Roman centurion says, hey, I need you to carry some of this stuff a mile down the road. They had absolutely every right to do that. And you could say, dude, I'm, I, I, know. I don't think he's doing anything right now. So you can have him do it. It didn't matter. You were going that mile. Jesus says, go, go, go one other mile. This, is, this, is a, this one's huge. Being able to be calm in the face of interruption of your life. If you're somebody who's in relationships, those relationships are going to interrupt you at some point. And it's going to come at an inopportune time. And you're gonna have, you're gonna be on the phone and you're gonna be like, man, I've gotta get going, but this person is hurting. And you go, you know what? I'm gonna be present with this person. I'm gonna calm down and say, I got 10 minutes. I'll tell you what, I'll get, I will I have 15 minutes, I got 20 minutes. That's all this is saying. We place our time, we place these things in our heavenly Father's hands. Do you see how this relationship with Jesus, this relationship with your heavenly father, is so vital to how we get through these other things. He goes on, give to the one who asks you. Do you have any relationships in your life that where uh, it's, it's the people are somewhat, it seems like they're always asking for something? <laughs> every time the phone rings you have caller ID and you, do you have anybody in your life where you look down at your phone and if you were honest with yourself. The first thing out of your mouth is, Ugh. <laughs> I don't. I'm a pastor. It's never <laughs> happening. <laughs> I'm very sad that you all do, but uh, that, was, that was disgusting. Wow. <laughs> uh, we all do. When you look down, you're like, you know the person isn't, gonna call, isn't calling you to say, are you having a nice day? It's going to be, can I have so?" You know what Jesus says? Accept those people into your life. Answer the call. Accept him into your life. Help him out as much as you can. You say, well, Jesus, I- I'm just getting tired of that. Well, okay, come here, come here, come here, come here, come over here. Come over here. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why that frustrates you. Let's talk about why Jesus could do all that, but you don't seem to be able to do all that. Why don't we, won't we, won't we discuss that? In the one another, let's talk about the one you, what, what's going on right now. So Jesus says that. And then he goes on with this horrible uh, thing. He says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wait, I thought we were talking about our neighbor. I thought we were talking about the people, like, close to me. Oh, you know, I mean, I don't like my boss, but I wouldn't say they're my enemy. I mean, we just got to get this worked out, you know, just these few things. I wouldn't call My enemy? Isn't it amazing what he says right after this? That you may be children of your Father in heaven. In other words, when you get to the place, and and, and God is saying you can get to that place, where you're so secure in me, you're so readily able to come to me, that even your enemies won't have the hold on you that they used to have. Because as you've changed, so have your relationships changed. Maybe not the people in the relationships, but you. So he says that the fact that you can love those who are persecuting you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now children, that's a close relationship. He goes on, he causes his son to rise on evil and good uh, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He goes on and he says, if you love, uh, if those uh, who love you, uh, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? I mean, we all say that. We, we all know that. That's common sense. You know, I love my dad. Well, of course you do. He's taking care of you. He loves you. He says, are, uh, uh, are not even the tax collectors doing right? And he, he, he says after that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? As Ajua comes back up, Jesus ends with a ridiculous command at the end of this talk. It's an almost impossible demand. And as you think about your two to four people, maybe you've, you've already just been writing down, you're like, whoa, I got 27 people I need to write. Okay. That's between you and the Lord, okay? I, I just gave you two to four, okay? Um, and you're just, your mind's racing. You're going, well, how, how, how is this going to happen? All of this happens. All of this happens in the context of your relationship with Jesus. Because really, at the end of the day, All you're doing when you go back into those relationships is you're trying to be Jesus in those relationships. You're trying to be Jesus at work. You're trying to be Jesus with your neighbor, next door neighbor. You're trying to be Jesus with your spouse. You're trying to be Jesus with your family members. You're trying to be Jesus with your friends. That's all it is. And so to the extent that you can connect with your heavenly father and get that relationship squared away, to go, Lord, I am so frustrated with this person. I wanted to oppose them to their face. Why in the world won't you let me do that? And to listen back and have them say, it just doesn't work. So Jesus says this, in all of your relationships this week, especially to those two and four, here's the command Jesus... Jesus is giving us it's ridiculous be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect easy peasy no problem if why didn't you just lead with that you know you could have just saved us a whole bunch of time it's difficult relationships are difficult Uh, Sometimes our relationship with our Heavenly Father is difficult because we sing never once did we ever walk alone, but there have been times in our lives where we did feel alone. And we have to work that out with God. How do we reconcile that? And so, what we do during this time is, uh, Audra's gonna read a poem that she's been writing while I've been talking. She writes them live. And then, uh, we're gonna end with a song. Uh, that we can just reflect on. Um, but during this time is a great time for you to fill out your connection cards. As I mentioned. Or as was mentioned. Um, we like to get one of those from every household. And the reason we do is because we like to monitor that so that when people aren't around, we can follow up with them because we care about uh, nobody falling through the cracks. So every time you fill out one of those things, even though it might be a pain, it's an act of worship for us and you make it easier for the leadership of the church to be able to target those who, who might be gone. Also, if today's a day you give, maybe you, uh, uh, you give via check or cash or whatever, uh, this is the time we prepare our offering we don't pass a plate around. There's a box in the back. And at the end of the service, we take all those connection cards and our offering and, and tithes. And we put them in the box in the back. But let, me, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, uh, what a tall order today. Uh, what, a, what a difficult uh, thing you've asked us to do. To take the commandments that you've given us and to... Uh, View them through the lenses of relationship and to take them one step farther. To not objectify people. To not make oaths. To not have to defend ourselves. To not have to worry about being right. To not have to um, uh, maybe be treated unfairly and, and, and just let it go. To be disrespected and let it go. That is so hard. But Lord, this is what you've required of us and I pray that as we take these names and maybe the list will grow as we go through the following weeks, uh, that we would hear your voice, even through this song of reflection, that we would hear your voice and to what to do next for our next steps. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that we don't have to have it all completed by the time we walk out these doors, but we just begin to take our steps towards relational health, which starts with our relationship with you. We thank you for that.